Well, we're back here again with uh, the AgView pitch, and we get a little bit of back in black, uh, ACDC, so it doesn't get any better than that. And we're sitting here on day eight of uh, market going up. And so I guess, Dwayne, um, how much longer can we have this going on? I mean, we're, we're sitting here uh, with some pretty good strength. Obviously, there's weather and a whole bunch of things going on. So um, talk to me a little bit about what we see here in the next couple of days. It's always difficult to know how long these things are last. We are conditioned through a process of experience that uh, uh, we are taught to always be distrustful of these type of markets. We're always afraid that they're short-lived and they're going to end and we're going to get, turn bullish and, and uh, get slapped in the face and it'll be over before we think it should be. And we're conditioned that way because that is the reality most of the time. But every once in a while, you run across something that is a dramatic change, does catch everybody off guard, and every sector of the trade has to make an adjustment. In this particular case, we have the producer who was very depressed and discouraged, was near panic level of forcing some sales uh, or making sales on fears of uh, that it was going to get cheaper, and that happened just before the prices bottomed. You had uh, the user who has uh, been trained to think he doesn't have to have any coverage. He now has to transform his thinking and, and think, start to think differently. The producer is thinking differently because he's either got inventory that he's trying to figure out what to do with or new crop, and then every producer is different, whether they happen to be an area where they got their entire crop in or another producer's in an area where they haven't hardly started. Um, so everybody's facing a lot of different questions. Um, but uh, the getting back to your point about what's ahead, you know, the, the other big component of the trade is the spec trade, and the spec has been carrying record or near record short positions that they added to in the three or four weeks prior to the bottom here where the market just got really ugly. And so they're carrying very large short positions, and now the market's moved against them in the case of corn, 50 cents or so. And those are large moves, and they are, they are forced to figure out what they're going to do. Uh, history would say that they are... They are in the process of ex, uh, uh, exiting the trade. So on some minor breaks like what we saw overnight, what we saw early part of today's session, it looks weak, but then by the end of the day, we end up being about unchanged. We trade on both sides because the market is always supported by people who are caught the wrong way in this marketplace. And until we can look at the, the uh, profile of the trade and say, you know what, we think all the shorts are out. We've got it started to get people long the market, speculators along, the farmers turned into being a bull. At that point in time, you have people who are vulnerable to weakness, and if that is the type of setup that creates uh, downside risk. I don't think we're at that point yet. I think we're still at a point where people who have been caught short here uh, are still having the transition. So I think the market stays well supported from that perspective. Um, but at the end of the day, we're, right now we're trading weather. And if the weather forecast, which currently has multiple rain systems through the next two weeks in a lot of key areas that have struggled to get crops planted, um, if that forecast were to suddenly change, this rally's uh, over. If that forecast doesn't change, then we start to talk uh, more confidently about a prevent plant acreage. We start to raise those numbers, and then we start to talk about yield loss reduction on anything that is planted late. So there's still a lot of ifs and unknowns, but right at the present time, all the unknowns, all the ifs, 
right now they provide support to the market. Yeah, and so there's about six reasons there I've counted of, of strength in the market. So, you know, prospects and odds are higher. Let's talk about old crop again for a minute. I know we just talked about that in a previous podcast, but um, when we look at where our clients are at with Profit Manager, where they were at, um, you know, in the 2018 crop with how the yields were, the majority of those growers are in the black. That's why we started out with the ACDC back in black, right? right. And so, you know, we're from a perspective standpoint, you know, I guess my thought is in, in, in what we're doing in, in our operation and what we're seeing some of the, some of the guys do is take 50% of what's left of the bushels that are on inventory and maybe getting that priced or some percentage level incrementally getting some of these bushels moved rather than sitting on this thing and watching it. And then additionally, maybe getting some targets out there. Even if, if, if one doesn't want to, to sell at this level, at, at a bare minimum, get some targets in place back to your game plan of, you know, okay, I'll sell at this level. But as this market goes up, we've sat here and watched this basis you know, um, give, you know, take away 15 or, or 18 or 20 cents, depending on where you're at and what part of the country you're in. Um, the basis is, is taking some of that premium away along the way. So if we do continue higher, the odds of the basis taking some of that away along the way is pretty high too, wouldn't you say? Or what's your thoughts on, on those comments? Well, starting off with the basis, uh, as the futures market rally and and, and that does the job of enticing the farmer to, to release bushels. It makes the cash buyer easier to, to, for him to get supplies, whether it's an ethanol plant, a, a livestock feeder, or a processing plant. Anything that causes the supplies to move more freely, uh, in this case, the futures market rally, it has a tendency to weaken basis. Um, I think that will remain the case because, um, you know, we still have a very plentiful supply of old crop bushels, and that's not going to change. The only thing that could possibly change that would be if the new crop was so threatened in terms of production that somebody said, you know what, if I want to make sure I get quality uh, grain and whatever I want, I want the old crop. So I need to go in and buy that. We're not anywhere close to that happening yet. So basis probably does weaken on future uh, price strength in the futures market. As far as uh, uh, what is the right plan for a producer with old crop inventory? Uh, the most important part of that plan, regardless of what the detail is, but the most important part of a plan is to actually create a plan. And in the case of uh, trying to, to determine what is real value, I would strongly urge the producer to take an honest reflection back to the uh, 12th day of May, the 10th day of May, after you had the government report, after prices weakened, you know, how discouraged were you? How much despair did you have? How much lack of hope did you experience? And what did your balance sheet looked at, look like if you valued your inventory at those prices? Then quickly fast forward <clears throat> to the day, but look at that balance sheet and then start to say, what does that money mean to me? What, what does that change in that balance sheet mean to me? Not only do I have old crop in value, my new crop bushels have gone up in value. And if you're honest about that assessment, it may very well lead to making a sale now. Mm -hmm. it, it may not be a decision about what do I think is going to happen down the road. I am so anxious and happy to capture the price I've been given because it means this to my operation. It means this to my family. Yeah. 
that maybe you, you need to take well, some risk off the table. Yeah, and there's cash flow components to that too. In a lot of the operations we work with, we're sitting here seeing line of credit levels at at levels probably higher than we've seen in some time. Uh, and part of that's because we're sitting on a lot of grain. And so I guess that's where, you know, a lot of us on the on the production side are thinking, you know, when do we pull the trigger on this stuff? And, you know, because cash flow is critical. And, you know, it we, we were hoping for this opportunity. We've gotten some opportunity. And again, I'm not advocating you sell, sell the whole pile, but I think, you know, we incrementally be, be working into this because what I've told some, some growers that, that have, you know, known that they needed to make some sales by this time frame, you know, for paying for some inputs and stuff, um, in the areas that have planted, of course, um, unfortunately, but, you know, we need to, to make sure that, that there's, there's revenue there and, and cash coming in. So, um, well, um, I definitely agree with the uh, selling incrementally. I definitely agree with uh, establishing a, a plan. And uh, um, once that is agreed upon, then it becomes a matter of where does one start? And I think there we could get some debate. But I want to post, I want to turn the tables a little bit, Chris. I want to ask you a question. You know, you're talking producers on a regular basis, daily basis. <clears throat> you're involved in everybody's uh, financial situation. Everybody's trying to make plans and adjustments. Um, your customers are well-trained in, in uh, keeping solid records, knowing their cost of production. Mm -hmm. And since we are back in black, like our theme song was at the beginning, um, what do your clients have to say? What are they, are they considering sales here? Do they uh, mm -hmm. see what's happened in these recent prices as, as something that's very significant? They want to protect this. I mean, what's important to the producer that, that you're hearing from is, in terms of the yeah. current market rally. So, so what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing is it depends a lot on the area. So if you go to the east where those growers haven't planted, you can have a bin full of corn or, or beans, whatever. And if you haven't turned a wheel on the, on the new crop, it makes it a little bit harder to make sales, whether it's old crop or new crop. Conversely, you go to you know, areas of Iowa where, where some of the growers are done or close to done. Um, very few that are completely done, but um, it's a little easier to let some of that go and to know, you know, and what I'm hearing is, as I said earlier, I think, you know, line of credit levels are higher in most operations. And so there's some discomfort there and it's a matter of taking a little bit of risk off the table is, the, is what I feel going on right now. So, so, you know, that's really what what I think is is um, top of mind right now with a lot of these growers, it's just figuring out how to um, how to make sure that we don't miss an opportunity because this is an opportunity right now. I mean, volatility is what always creates a chance for us to to, to make some money on the farm, and and you know. Um, you gave us six or eight reasons, you know, I kind of lost count there, but you know, there was, um, a, quite a few reasons why there's strength in the market, you know, mostly fundamental, you know, and if we break through some of these technical constraints, all of a sudden that just gives you that much more fuel to the upside. And I recognize that, but I think, you know, there's a differential between, and this is what I'm hearing from growers to answer your question is. There's a differential between this old crop and the new crop. We have to make a little bit different decisions 
on old crop because that's a known cost of production. The new crop is an unknown cost of production. It might not even be a production in some areas. And so, you know, the prevent plant and some of those things start to enter into the equation, which we haven't even got to that topic yet. And that's going to be a whole nother podcast where I think we're going to need to really um, dive into this um, prevented plant and, and all those things. So, so I guess that's why I brought up the old crop because growers are asking about that and saying, what do we do? Because it's really two different decisions between the old and the new. Would you agree or do you I have I would any agree that it's that? two different decisions because like you said, you know what your cost was on 2018. You know what your yields were which, and uh, uh, you know that the current prices are probably the best cash price you've had since you've harvested it. Possibly the best price you had offered to you for 2018 production in basically a year. And so uh, that is a different situation. In the case of the new crop, depending on your location, you don't know uh, what your costs are. You might know your costs, but you may not know the cost per bushel because mm-hmm. uh, even the people that have got stuff planted, uh, they're apprehensive about their yield outlook versus mm-hmm. a, a different year. And the people that haven't planted, they are definitely apprehensive yeah. about what they're going to get when they the, get the, the The other challenge I've seen, Dwayne, a lot happen too is we're sitting here being focused on, you know, on old crop and or new crop. And when you're focused on both, it's hard to do a good job on both. And so uh, I have seen in a lot of cases, if, if a person can, can clean up the old crop, it gets a lot easier to make some decisions on the new crop too, because you're not trying to, to juggle both layers of decision making. And so, and again, I'm not advocating dumping all the old, old crop corn right now, but it's it's getting more and more tempting when I, I look at how much closer to black we've gotten in, in this in this game for everybody. So well I definitely agree with with separating old crop versus new crop and I definitely agree that um, once uh, it's it doesn't matter if it's this decision or some other decision as soon as we're able to take an unknown an uncertainty something that's weighing on our mind in the case of old crop here as soon as that moves off of the uh, our plate and we've turned that into cash and we've paid down uh, a note, a line of credit, uh, somehow our thinking process changes. We've removed some burdens, we've removed some pressures, and now we might look at the new crop with a whole different light. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of times uh, removing some of these things off your plate and locking in some profits, re- reducing your line of credit, uh, it just frees up your mind to maybe mm-hmm have a more business approach to even the new crop when that time yeah. comes. Yeah, because, you know, um, we've, we've got Shay sitting here with us throwing us some good questions. So <laughs> we're, you know, uh, you know, making the point here, he, he made a point about, you know, uh, we got we do have to be careful. And one thing that does make it hard on the new crop. So if we switch gears to new crop for a minute, um, making sales on the new crop in these areas where you're either don't have very much planted, nothing planted or whatever, you can you can think you're 25% sold and all of a sudden be 85% sold, especially in the cash market. And so those are some watch out things too. So I recognize that. So so back to the, to the old crop for one second to, to validate my case here. I'm okay with be over overdoing it, being too aggressive because those are knowns where I would be probably more cautious and I subscribe to what you're saying, Dwayne, full and wholeheartedly is we got to be real careful with this new crop because you can, you, like, like I said, you can think you're 20% sold and be 75% sold if the productivity or the production is not there. So, 
so those are those are things that are that are definite issues that we look at from the production cost side of things. As long as the producer um, doesn't know what he's dealing with for new crop, and as long as he has anxiety and, and unknowns, especially if it's a large geographic region where all those producers in that region are experiencing the same thing, then the marketplace doesn't know either. And mm -hmm. a lot of times the marketplace uh, starts to feel comfortable about production uh, potential once they can get to within about two weeks of a pollination window. Once they can see a forecast that gets into your pollination window, the marketplace starts to get comfortable with its production potential and they have a tendency to expect the best. Mm -hmm. And uh, they've been trained to do that based on producers managing to uh, get things planted quickly, better technology, better equipment, uh, putting the crop to, to get better spacing, more even emergence, et cetera. All these advances in technology and equipment has allowed the producer to, to maximize their yield potential. And so the, the marketplace has a tendency to put a lot of confidence in the producer to get a good crop. And they put a tremendous amount of confidence in the genetics of the seed companies that we're going to get a good crop there. And, uh, uh, but they're never super confident about that until they're within that window where they can start to see the pollination window in the forecast. That's basically two weeks. Right now, this year, instead of starting pollination on the uh, 4th of July to the 10th of July or something like that, we're probably looking between uh, late planting dates and slow development of what was planted early. We're probably looking at pollination dates that are July 25th <laughs> into August 5th. Mm -hmm. And so that means that uh, the marketplace may need a little more time before they're comfortable about the crop. And so we might not peak this market out as early as we have in the last few years, mm -hmm. which is, uh, you know, so right now the, this all this uncertainty in an environment where we've been uh, dealt a shock that we start to do these numbers, we're starting to deal with a significant change in carryout from where we were two weeks ago. Right now, all these uncertainties provide some level of support to the market. Whether that support manifests itself as just an inability to, to see weakness short term, or whether it manifests as continued strength, I guess we don't know yet. Yeah, and I guess too, Dwayne, does you know, is this market really? Um, well, let me let me rephrase the question. Let me let me just say and throw out at you. Um, we're sitting here on Tuesday because we got an extra day and we talked about this in the early podcast, you know, we would have had what, 37 million acres yet to plant on Tuesday. Let's say there's 30, let's say the following week we, you know, cause you look at past years. I mean, we've gotten stuff wrapped up really quick, you know, if we can. So let's say the weather opens up after next week, um, does that slow this this down a little bit, or do we still have some hope for this to, to to crank up some more? Because, like you said, you know the weather forecast can change. Um, you know the other thing too, and this is going to be another podcast, and I throw about six things here to you at once. But um, you know the soybean um, shift, and and with the supposed two dollar, and and what we're going to find out here tomorrow, I guess it is or soon. Um, you know, with the shift in acres, will there be a shift in acres? And if the weather changes, do you see anything um, coming that that we may need to be aware of or need to be paying attention to that might not that something might we might not be talking about? In the case of the soybeans, I'd probably 
prefer to wait to another podcast to talk about that in detail. But in terms of the payment, the $2 payment, you know, yesterday the marketplace uh, found weakness in soybeans on the fear that the $2 payment was going to be an enticement to producers that couldn't plant corn to say, well, I'm going to go plant soybeans and I won't take the prevent plant. I'll just take those acres that I couldn't plant into corn and I'm going to plant beans and I'm doing it to get the $2 payment. And with the idea that hopefully I'll get a respectable crop and then I get the $2 payment. And so USDA within about two hours of that uh, uh, announcement coming and the marketplace reacting and, and rumor mill occurring, USDA issued a press release saying, wait a minute, don't make your decision based on on uh, the payment because we are going to structure the payment in a manner that it won't uh, be based on uh, 2019 acres. So uh, I think that USDA made clear in that press conference that they're not going to try to influence acreage decisions in 2019 based on that, that payment. So how they actually do that in detail, I don't know. Um, in the case of uh, uh, the, uh, the, the corn market here, um, I think that we still have a lot of things to deal with. And uh, um, what was the part that you were talking to me about corn here just before I got sidetracked into beans? I don't know. I probably just forgot. So, <laughs> so anyway, the, uh, uh, part of the part of the corn was that you were talking about 37 million acres unplanted. Yeah, and, and that, then, that was it. That yeah, was, that that, and you I'm said we about. might be down to 30 million. And how's the market react? Let me put it to you this way. It, I don't know what we're going to have in some of these key areas for remaining acres planted in, in next Tuesday's, Tuesday's report. But if the marketplace saw a planning window open and the forecast changed enough to do that, even if that went past the March, May 31st date of prevent plant, or in the case of South Dakota and Nebraska went past May 25th, I think it is, even if that happened where they we could see that we were going to get it planted, but it's going to be late, but we either put a cap on what the maximum prevent plant ideas might be, or we reduce those uh, prevent plant ideas, the marketplace would take that as a negative. Mm -hmm. Okay. We could, as farm uh, people could all argue, well, hey, this is too late. Yield's still going to be affected and we might be 100% right, but the marketplace wouldn't look at it that way. They would look at it that, okay, we are going to get this planted. It's a little late, but we trust farmers, we trust equipment, and we trust seed genetics, and we're going to think the best. And so if that were to happen and we uh, kind of capped off the pl uh, prevent plant acres, almost regardless of what that figure was, the marketplace would probably take that as a negative. Okay. So I think that from if you're looking at a short-term risk in maintaining old crop bushels and not making the sale, your risk really is a sudden change in that forecast to where a planting window develops that gives, let's just say, four days of planting between now and the 5th of June. We could plant the majority of those acres if guys could get going, with the exception of some pockets that are so saturated they're out of luck. Right. So if, if we see a weather forecast that opens up four or five days of planting between now and the 5th of June, marketplace will take that as a negative. Gotcha. If we don't get that change, the market is, is teetering between do we act the way I just described that the planting window opens and we're we've gone far enough with this rally and we start to back off some or they're teetering between that or jeepers with each day that goes by and that forecast doesn't change 
we we're, we're looking at June fifth, and we don't have a four day window. Right. And if if the farther we advance this day at a time, and that forecast doesn't change, their panic and fear and uh, realization that the crop is going to be smaller, the carryout's going to be smaller, and anything that does get planted mm -hmm. is has a greater risk of a yield loss, then all of a sudden it's a it's a different ballgame. So right, right now we're really teetering, and I think the yeah. most important variable short term is whether or not we have the weather forecast change to allow a four days of planting progress between now and June 5th. Gotcha. Well, I think we need to, you know, we're getting close to probably going to want to wrap things up here, but um, one, one other real quick thing on the prevent plant um, decision making, we do have a tool um, that we're getting pretty well um, close to having operational. And so that's something that um, if anybody's interested in, in running a few numbers or running some scenarios, it's really the tool isn't what has the value. I think it's the conversation around uh, the numbers. We've looked at a couple of of situations and, and we're a couple of days away here yet because I really didn't want to go down the path of doing a bunch of math on a scenario that that we weren't to that insurance date yet and um, and you know and, and I'm not I'm gonna sit here and say we're gonna give any recommendations we do not give specifically recommendations on you should do this or you should do that you all have to make your own executive um, decisions on your business but what we can help you do um, with that tool is is run some scenarios and, and kind of look at a side-by-side -side prevent plant versus planted or corn versus soybeans even because I think there's going to be some of those decisions now you know do I do I go out there and plant some soybeans or do I do I stick with my original plan depending on what what a grower has out there so um, I think that's something that Dwayne will hit on another podcast too here real soon just to throw out as a teaser on um, just having a discussion around some decision making uh, with regard to you know corn soybean side by side uh, corn versus prevent plant soybeans versus prevent plant because I think we're, we're probably going to see some ultimately in some areas some prevent plant soybeans as well and um, so everybody's in a little bit different boat your percentage of coverage uh, varies from one area to the other and so it's really difficult for us to give you a a broadcast and say yeah you know do that you know consider this consider that other than to say in the meantime here now I would definitely be communicating with your insurance agent as we've said in prior podcasts and making sure that you talk to them about having uh, an idea of, of what your number one what your coverage is and then number two what percent of that coverage in a prevent plant scenario are you paid because in some areas it's you know, 55%, it might be 60%, it might be 65% of those coverages. So I think a person wants to pay attention to that. Um, and, and we'll touch on that um, again here uh, real soon. Dwayne, do you have anything, last comments or anything? The last thing I guess I'd say is uh, we're dealing in uh, uh, some uncertain times right now. We're in a window where there is a lot of unknown. But the great part about unknown and un uh, uncertainty in the, in the grain markets is, if you're a producer and you want higher prices, unknown and uncertainties tend to create better prices. And with that, that means better opportunities. So uh, the thing I would strongly encourage is everybody can uh, uh, have unknowns, but they don't have to be you know, paralyzed by those unknowns. Start putting out some plans, put some figures on paper and say, if I have this scenario and this price, what does that mean to my operation? And if you're able to lay that groundwork It'll be a lot easier to make a decision that'll be a profitable decision. 
and it'll help to remove some of the fear. And in case the markets start to do something a little more crazy, you can uh, prevent yourself from getting caught up in emotion where you know you you miss the miss the rally and then next thing you know you're trying to figure out how to sell on weakness well and just be disciplined you know like you said specifically i mean and, and i'm going to speak to you as a producer what you're telling me then is is if it's that 30% or 20% or 50% or whatever that is what's my price target and have those targets in place and when they hit be disciplined to allow them to hit and allow and go ahead and make that sale and not worry if the price goes up the next day that I'm ashamed or torqued off that that price went up the next day that you know I didn't sell at all we, we're gonna have to incrementally um, to do this because because the discipline's the key based on what you're saying I mean we put this plan together but we got to be disciplined on it too absolutely that is certainly true and uh, if you're disciplined when you create the plan um, you made the decision to put that price in because you like that price. It meant something to your operation. It meant something to your family. It uh, meant something to your banker, whatever the, well, the motivation was. There was right. a reason that you liked that price. And uh, uh, especially when it comes to old crop, uh, being disciplined to keep those targets and uh, to execute them when they occur, um, I think that has a lot of value. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, in all honesty, the, the best thing that could happen to you was was to make a sale and, and uh, hope it made you feel wrong. Because I'll guarantee you, you got more bushels either in the bin or in the field going up in value than uh, the bushels that you sold. So exactly. if you lost 10 or even 20 cents because you sold something early, uh, odds are you're still financially far better off uh, and focus on what has been given and don't focus on those few bushels that you did make a sale on. Thanks, Dwayne. I think uh, we're going to wrap it up. We're getting to about a half hour here, and that's probably enough for tonight. And we're going to have a lot of activity and a lot of things to talk about here. And if any of you want to email us um, questions or topics or things that you want us to talk about, make sure you um, feel free to email us uh, or text us, either one. And um, we can make sure we can ask, you know, I can ask Dwayne questions, you can ask me questions, and we'll get that information to you. And again, this is the AgView pitch. And um, Dwayne, you're gonna play a, play a little bit of um, back in black on the way out of here too, I hope, because uh, you know we are in the black uh, in a lot of operations, and um, and we need to to kind of um, play a little music and. and well, sometimes you, in life you do have to savor the good moments. That's and right. Right now, back in black has a pretty good theme, and and we do want to savor that, and. Uh, we hope that we could uh, have this last long enough that we could keep playing back in black for a theme music all the way well, until that, harvest. That'd be awesome. But yeah. you know, we want to get, we want to um, say some prayers for some of these guys to to dry out, and maybe we can get some planters rolling. Yeah, at the, at the end of the day, you got to have the bushels, and we, right. we certainly want everybody to be able to participate in that. That's right. So anybody, everybody, uh, take care. And again, this is the Agview pitch, and and we'll talk to you again here soon. Thanks a lot.